Let's bow for prayer and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this very, very beautiful day. We are grateful for every blessing of life. Thank you that you gave us today the health and the strength to uh, get out of bed this morning and then to go about our daily responsibilities and to take some time in the middle of the day to come here and to share a meal and to have good, sweet fellowship with one another, to spend a few minutes studying your word. And then when we leave in a little while, I pray that uh, w- our hearts will have been strengthened and encouraged and that we will uh, live in a way that will honor you this day and in the days ahead of us. So speak to us now from Genesis. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your love. Thank you for our precious Savior Jesus, his death on the cross, his glorious resurrection, the forgiveness of our sin, the gift of eternal life. We are so thankful. And again, thank you for the food. Strengthen our bodies, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're at chapter 43, verse 15. Now, this is is a pretty lengthy passage to read, but really do need to get the whole thing in front of us. And then we'll spend a few minutes talking about this passage. You know, they're the brothers, the sons of Jacob, uh, have have uh, made their second journey. They're, they're making now their second journey to Egypt, and Benjamin is with them, something that Jacob had said originally would never happen, that he would never let Benjamin go. But uh, Judah guarantees Benjamin's safety and guarantees that Benjamin will come back home. And that's uh, quite a guarantee that that Judah makes. So we're going to see how all that comes out. Now, most of you have read Genesis at least once and likely many, many, many times. So the story may be very familiar. There may be others for whom it is not familiar, but whatever the case may be, it is, to me, a thrilling, exciting portion of the book of Genesis. And to see how God is at work and how he's shaping and molding hearts and lives uh, truly is astounding. And that's going to become so evident to us today as we go through this passage of Scripture. We know that God is working in Joseph's life. The Scripture says it repeatedly, that God is with Joseph. But Joseph is not the only person with whom God is working. Unbeknownst to them, I think, to a large degree, God is doing something in the lives of Joseph's brothers, in their hearts. And I think we're going to see today the clear evidence that these brothers have changed, that God has changed their heart. They aren't the calloused, vicious brothers who threw Joseph into a pit and then sold him into slavery. They, they've changed. We're going to see that. And whenever I think about God changing hearts, I can't help but come back to my own heart and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. And I hope you have the same reaction, that God, you aren't who you used to be, that Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit has changed you from the inside out. You're a new man. You're a new woman. You're a new creation. And we're so thankful for the work of God in our lives. And he's still working. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter your chronological age, God is still at work shaping us and molding us into the people that he wants us to be. All right. So verse 15 of the 43rd chapter. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver. They're, getting, they're going back now to Egypt. 
and Benjamin also. That's a significant phrase, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, you know, he's speaking, he's not speaking the language that the brothers can understand. Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up. That's interesting, isn't it? Take our donkeys. Of all the things that they would mention, take our donkeys. Um, maybe they're thinking of, I don't know what they're thinking, but that's interesting. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. And notice what they say. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. Now, I want you to notice the steward's response. This is astonishing. I don't know what the brothers thought when they heard this, but listen to what the steward said. This Egyptian steward said, It's all right. Don't be afraid. Your God... The God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Remember, they left Simeon behind, or Joseph kept Simeon behind, and and now he is released. It's probably been two years. It's a long time. I wonder if Simeon had given up. Well, they're together again. Sweet moment. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. So that that lets you know they didn't understand the language. You know, Joseph's speaking. They don't know what he's saying, but he knows what they're saying. So uh, they didn't know about lunch. He, Even though the steward had heard Joseph say that, the brothers didn't understand it. So now they know why they're there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. That ring a bell? They bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living They replied, your servant, our father, is still alive and well. It must have been a great relief to Joseph. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. Are you noticing something here? Are you noticing a progression? Notice verse 26, they they bowed down before him to the ground. Now they bow down and they prostrate themselves before him. Now, verse 29, as he looked about and saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's, his own mother's son, Rachel, his mother, Benjamin's mother, uh, 
he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them, with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. Um, segregation, separation of the day. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. Why? How does he know? How does he know our age ranking? We've never told him our age. How does he know that? Okay, let's stop there. We'll get the last two verses momentarily. Um, well, no, let's go ahead and finish. This, I, want to, I want to finish this. Um, verse 33. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages from the first morning to the youngest. They looked at the other in astonishment. Verse 34. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, now get this, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Um, Joseph is showing a little favoritism here, isn't he? <laughs> my, my. wonder where he got that idea. Okay, so um, here is a stunning reception. Off the brothers go, finally given permission by their father Jacob. They go with, a, with double the silver and with the gifts in order to appease Joseph if he is angry. And their assumption is he's going to be mad because... We paid him before. Somehow all that silver ended up back in our sacks. We don't know how it got there. And we're afraid he's going to be angry. So we're bringing all that back plus double that so we can pay for more food. And, and they're nervous. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. So the brothers are stunned when they are taken to Joseph's residence. They had not expected that. Not understanding the instructions Joseph gave to his steward, they're afraid they have been taken to Joseph's home so that he can either A, kill them, or B, enslave them. They then decide to appeal to Joseph's steward. Maybe he will intervene for us. So they appeal to the steward. We're not thieves. Please believe us. And this steward, who somehow I picture as being a gentle soft-spoken man. I may be totally wrong about that, but I'm just picturing he calms them down and tells them it's it's okay. I, I got your silver. I, I received it. It's okay. But notice the electricity of verse 23. Don't be afraid. Boy, do we see those words in Scripture over and over and over and over again. The words of Jesus uh, words of God himself, fear not, don't be afraid, I'm with you. So don't be afraid. Your God, 
The God of your father, Jacob, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Wow. Then the best of all, here's Simeon. Our brother has been here for a couple of years. We're together again. And it's a sweet reunion with their brother. Now they all uh, prepare to eat. Joseph arrives. They present their gifts. They bow down and remember the dreams of Joseph from years ago, knowing that his family would bow down before him. There's one yet to bow who isn't here yet, and we know that's going to be Jacob. But the brothers are bowing down before him, and Joseph inquires. It's been two years. His dad is old, and Joseph's concern is that in these two years, my father may have passed away. So he inquires, how is your father? How is he? And, of course, there he's told that he's, he's well. He's doing well. Then, of course, Joseph sees Benjamin, and he had said, don't come back. Don't, don't you come back here without Benjamin. And the collateral he's holding over them is who? Simeon. I've got, I've got Simeon, so don't you come back without Benjamin, or you'll never see Simeon again. I mean, that's the implication. You'll never see Simeon again. So Joseph sees Benjamin, speaks to him, blesses him, and then hurries out to cry. Well, that's that's understandable. And I, I don't know how Joseph's held it together this long. It's just utterly amazing. So he goes out to cry. Once he's got it all out, or out as best he can, and he washes his face so it won't look like he's been crying, and then comes back in. Uh, to to see his brothers. Now, the blessing that he pronounces upon um, upon Benjamin back at verse 29, God be gracious to you, my son. Does that sound familiar? God be gracious to you. That is a quote uh, of what we will know later when Numbers is written to be the Blessing of Aaron, or the ironic blessing, if you want to jot this down, and, and uh, Betty, I forgot to put it in my notes. So it's Numbers six twenty four through twenty six. Numbers six twenty four through twenty six. It's and it says, "The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you." And give you peace. Uh, you've heard that. You've said that. You've read that. That great blessing. I, I'm confident many, many times. And so that is a form of that is what Joseph says here. Be gracious. God be gracious to you. My son. Elohim be gracious to you, my son. I wonder if, what are the brothers thinking? Listen to the language of Joseph. Listen, he's talking about our God. How does he know our God? They're in for a big surprise, but it hadn't come yet. So um, he came back in. Joseph eats by himself. The brothers eat by themselves in birth order. 
How does he know all this stuff? And the Egyptians, the other Egyptians who are part, I guess, of Joseph's entourage, they, they eat by themselves. Hebrews can't eat with Egyptians. That's detestable to the Egyptians. Um, interesting. I could really take off and elaborate on that, but I'm, I just let it sit right there. That's enough. Now, we, we, you know, we'll see more. But anyway, the, the portions are large. The portions are large. Kind of like because we get to serve ourselves on Wednesday. Our portions are large. You know, okay, here we go. Um, but I find it fascinating. Benjamin's five times more. I don't know if they did that by just piling up one plate or if they brought him five plates as opposed to one for the brothers. Uh, but whatever it was, he's got five times what the, there's a test here. Joseph is purposefully doing everything that he's doing. This is a test. Would the old jealousies arise in the hearts of the boys as they see that it appears Joseph is favoring the youngest brother? Are they going to get jealous like they used to be jealous when their dad favored Joseph? Joseph is testing the hearts of his brothers. Have they changed or are they the same guys they used to be? Well, the answer to that's coming. And it appears here, at least by silence, that there's no jealousy, that, that no one says, well, I can't believe, look at Benjamin's plate, look at what I've got. No, nobody's complaining. The portions are generous. They may have even smiled about it. They may have even laughed about it. But Joseph is watching very, very carefully. And remember... They can't understand him when he speaks Egyptian, but he can understand every word that they are saying. It's quite an advantage, isn't it? Now, there's an the, the irony of this meal. Think about it. Think about all we've read. The last time that Joseph was near his brothers as they ate, he was in a pit pleading for his life. Amazing. And now he's serving his brothers who have already bowed down to him. You wonder, could he, what, what was Joseph thinking? Could he, could he hear his own voice pleading those many years ago? Please don't leave me here. Please. Please let me out. Please, Judah, Simeon, please. I wonder if he could hear those words as he watched his brothers eat of the food that he himself gave to them. What an amazing moment. Well, I want you to notice some things about the brothers. I want to give you five things that I want you to notice about the brothers now and their spiritual condition as opposed to the past. And then we'll see it unfold even more as we proceed through the rest of the book. Note these five things. Number one, I want you to notice the sense of responsibility. The responsibility. They promised their father, Jacob, particularly Judah made this promise. They promised that they would be responsible if anything happened to Benjamin. Now, you know what's coming, don't you? That's going to be put to the test. 
second thing that I, I want us to notice is their, is their honesty. What we're going to see unfold, they've already made restitution for the silver. They d- brought double. Even though they didn't steal it, they are concerned that Joseph thinks they stole it. So, honesty, integrity, they're bringing double the amount to give back to him, to hopefully hoping that it will pacify him. Um, of course, the stewards already tried to put their mind at ease about that. But, but, no, but as we go along, because when... When Judah speaks to Joseph, we're getting there, we're, this next chapter, he's gonna spill it all, he's gonna tell everything, he, he's, he's not gonna try to hide anything, he's gonna say, we, we did an awful thing to our brother, not knowing that they're telling the very man that they did it to, we did an awful thing, they don't try, it's this, God has caused this to happen because of our sin. They're being honest. God's been working in their hearts. I also want you to notice the the sense of unity that we see now among the brothers we didn't see before. They were always fussing and all, but right, the unit, Simeon set free. Simeon's back with them. They're rejoicing. They're very protective of Benjamin. And so there is now a unity among the brothers as we continue to see the story unfold that wasn't there before. I also want you to notice, write the word belief. The brothers are beginning to recognize God at work. And they will confess this. God is doing something. There is that belief. God is at work. And and they didn't understand it yet. But the brothers are maturing. God is working. What did God work through in order to change the hearts and the lives of the brothers through their sense of of guilt and remorse and the, the, the recognition of a need to repent for what they had done. Um, I want to just remind us that guilt is a gift from God. You know, some people today say, oh, don't, you know, should never feel guilty about anything. Oh, don't go there. Guilt is a gift from God in order to bring conviction to your heart so you can confess your sin and be made right with God again. So guilt is a gift from God. The brothers bore it all these years. How many times? We'll never know. But how many times? Well, maybe we will when we talk to them. But, but... How many times out there in the fields, wherever they were, did they converse about it? What wonder what happened to Joseph? I can't believe we did that. My heart has been burdened. I'm so afraid Dad's going to find out someday. Just the burden of that guilt. God uses that to shape and mold their lives. And you should already be seeing, and you certainly will, more as we go along. These men are, are these are men that are God is changing their hearts. In their lives. Now, I also want us to, the last word, that fifth word is gratitude. So responsibility, honesty, unity, belief, and gratitude is the fifth word. They, they, are, they are becoming grateful men in their hearts, and that's going to accelerate. It's going to accelerate.
gratitude in their hearts for what God is. Mercy is here in the room. Um, Joseph could have been vengeful. He's like Christ. He's merciful, filled with grace in the way that he treats his brothers. We're going to see how more like Christ Joseph is as we go along toward the end of the book. He could have been vengeful, but as best we can tell from the words that are written in Scripture, vengeance never seems to have even entered his mind. Now, he's testing his brothers. He wants to know, is are you any different than you used to be? But if he had had vengeance in his heart, he could have exacted that the first time they came to visit. He could have said, do you know who I am? And if, if you haven't had a heart attack yet, then I'm about to do away with you. You guys did this to me. I'm, boy, you're public execution. No, 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 no. I never entered Joseph's mind. So as we go to chapter 44, and we got just enough time to kind of wiggle our way into it, chapter 44 is going to bring about, is going to bring a severe mercy. We don't always put those two words together, but we're going to do that momentarily. A severe mercy is going to come about in chapter 44 as Joseph is about to up the level of testing of his brothers, and he's going to test them severely, and we're going to watch their response. And then chapter 45, I can't wait to get there. That's when the incredible revelation comes. I am Joseph. Oh, my word. (laughs) Can you imagine? All right, chapter 44. Let me give some words of introduction before we read any of the passage. God has been working in Joseph's life. God was with him. Scripture says it over and over and over again. But what about the brothers? Yes, God never gave their consciences rest. All these years, Joseph handles his brothers masterfully as they come to terms with their guilt. During chapter 42, God graced the brothers with guilt, fear, and sorrow. It's not that he graced them with with it in chapter 42 for the first time. It just comes out in the open in the text. But they've been feeling it for years. They knew they were guilty of sinning against Joseph and their father, to whom they lied. And they mourn over what they had done. In chapter 43, they are graced with unexpected peace, shalom, as Joseph's steward assured them that the money in their bags was from God and released Simeon back to them. They were not aware of the emotions running through Joseph, especially at his seeing Benjamin for the first time since he had been sold into slavery. Joseph is choosing mercy, and the entire text is beautiful, is magnificent. In chapter 44, we will see a life 
altering transformation of the brothers that will involve conscience, repentance, intercession, sacrifice, and substitution, all wrapped up in a love that reminds us of Christ. One of the brothers is about to offer himself as a substitute. Who is it? Judah. How unlikely is that? Well, based on previous chapters back down the road, we'd say really unlikely. But God has made a tremendous change in the heart of Judah. So here's the grand setup. Verse 1 of chapter 44 uh, let's let's read it, and then that's really all we've got time to do. So here, here, this is the tantalizer to encourage you to come back next week. Verse one. Now, Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of the house: fill them in sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then. Put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. Now, my guess is that the brothers were going to see how fast can we get out of here. Let's get home as fast as we can, lest something occur. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from? And also uses for divination. We'll talk about that next time. This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with him, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? The brothers are really indignant. I mean, they're almost talking back to the steward. and They need to be careful. But they say, far be it from us. Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? Here comes the statement that they should have contemplated before saying. If any of your servants is found to have it, the cup, he will die. They are pretty confident that they don't have it. And the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, said the steward, let it be as you say, but notice the shift. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. So he's not buying into this. I'll kill the one who's guilty and take the rest of you into slaves. He's saying the one who's guilty will be my slave and the rest of you can go home. Verse 11, each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found 
in Benjamin's sack. At this, now notice the reaction, how in contrast this is to the day Joseph was in the pit pleading for his lives. They're eating their food, trying to pay no attention to him and maybe even mocking him. Notice this time what they say. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Hebrew way of expressing sorrow is the tearing of one's clothes. These brothers were horrified, absolutely horrified at what had happened. And they could not believe it. And I'm absolutely convinced that they had, they just were totally blown up by this because they knew Benjamin would have never done this. How did such a thing happen? And they were, they were more, I mean, this is awful. This is the most horrible moment they can possibly imagine. They do not know that it's a setup, but they will soon have the entire story revealed to them. So we'll start there next time, hopefully finish all of chapter 44 and maybe get into chapter... I can't wait to get into chapter 45. I love that moment when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. I know you do too. So next week, chapter 44, we'll pick up there again. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the work you do in our hearts. Thank you for the conviction that comes when we sin so that we can then repent, cast off that guilt, have it removed by you, and experience the joy of all that it means to be in right relationship with you. Father, thank you that you never quit working in our hearts. As exemplified by what you did in the hearts of these brothers, you never quit working in their hearts and in their lives, nor do you quit working in our hearts and in our lives, and we're grateful. So bless us as we go from this place. Bring us together again next Wednesday, and we say to you again this afternoon, we love you and adore you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.